0: Challenging your self-sabotage, that voice inside that is telling you you're not good enough, is a reality. So finding a new friendship with your inner Gremlin that lives within is powerful. Know that you are not the only one struggling with body issues, ego, and facing burnout while trying to reach your next goal. I'm Dr. Jessica Metcalf and this is Speak Kindly, You're Listening. Don't forget to check out the book with the same name that inspired it all soon to be on Amazon in November, 2022. Today, we are chatting with Steph Corker, founder of the Corker Collective on all things body positivity. How to be kind to ourselves in every moment and utilizing your inner cheerleader will in fact change your life. Steph is passionate about human potential and exploring what is possible from sweaty start lines to year end finish lines. The Corker Collective is a consulting business who supports organizations who care about their people. But that's not all. Steph has finished 25 Ironmans, including being Ironman Canada 2016 champion. I appreciate Steph's vulnerability on the podcast because it's hard at times to share with others what our own voice says to us on repeat. Let's get started and enjoy the show. Steph, thank you so much for being here on Speak Kindly. You're listening. It is amazing to have you here because even before I pressed recording, we were having our background conversation. I said, hold on, hold on. We got to start recording. So let's just jump right into it. So when we're talking about our inner gremlin, at times that voice that can pick us apart, whether it's our personal or professional life. What one time in your life stood out for you?
1: Well, first of all, thank you. I'm so honored. I never take a podcast invite for granted. I am stoked to riff, especially with another woman. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Um, And I think our inner voices are so real. And in reflection, you know, in preparation for the podcast, I thought, I would love to tell you that I have had this voice that I've worked through and I've gone to therapy and I'm on the other side. And the reality is I'm not. And I think that some of these beautiful voices are with us, not for a lifetime in that negative critic sense, yet with us for the journey until we really, truly befriend them. And then what? And so the poignant story that comes to mind for me was I had just won an Ironman race another version of my lifetime. I raced Ironman and I had won Ironman Canada. I was so stoked. I was on the big Island for world championships in Hawaii. And I felt so fat, like straight out fat, not like a little bit chubby, not like I didn't want to wear a bathing suit fat. And for context, not like this matters yet. I knew I wasn't, you know, your classic size two runner. And I felt strong. I was a strong athlete. I wore size six at Lululemon and I didn't want to wear a bathing suit. I was like, gosh, like I feel like a beached whale. And I remember really struggling in those moments. And I had a family member who happened to be male. And it's not that that matters. And I remember just really feeling razzed by him that it was like, well, when are you going to get over this? Like, when are you going to just love your body? When do you let go of feeling so chubby? And I was like, trust me, like if I could get over it, I would, if I could just let it go, like that would be beautiful. And that's just not the relationship that I have when I look in the mirror. And, you know, I went through the pandemic like we all did and closed the chapter of racing Ironmans. I'd love to tell you, I closed the chapter of my relate, you know, a negative relationship with my body, but that's not the truth. And I'm not a size six at all. And it's taken, you know, a a lot of therapy and a lot of conversations to come to the other side to say like, what will it take for me to love this vessel? That's not associated with a number. So not a finish line time, not a size of apparel, you know, how do I feel in my body? How do I fuel my body? And what are all of the other incredible things that this vessel is allowing me to do in this lifetime? And so what I want to share is that this story is like the negative inner critic hasn't gone away yet. I think I have a new friendship with it. And that is what this chapter is now of how do I befriend this critic in a new way? And the most honest thing I can tell you is I don't think I'm alone being a woman that looks in the mirror and thinks, I wish something on my body looked different. And I think that our relationship with our bodies needs to be talked about more.
0: It's so very fascinating because at times when initially I talk about what that inner critic or inner gremlin is to women it presents very differently. And so some people Mm -hmm. it's more prominent in business and some people it's more prominent if you're a mom and sometimes it shows up even as a sister or partner, right? And then Mm -hmm. there's these components where exactly how you said, where you're looking at yourself in the mirror and whether it's something associated with your body, but then how it starts to steamroll or turn into Mm -hmm. a snowball effect. So Mm -hmm. tell me about, when you were standing on that podium and hmm. those inner gremlin moments were passing through you, were you able to cherish that moment that you had just won?
1: Hmm. it's a really interesting question. There's nothing really attractive about triathlon. The outfits that you wear when you do a triathlon, (laughs) it's not very attractive. Okay. And um, the way that awards work is that you're on the podium the next day. So you wear real clothes on the podium. And I remember wanting to wear like the baggiest shirt I could wear and like baggy jeans and Mm. the baggy thing. It's an interesting question because now that the chapter is closed, I think looking back on it, nothing was ever quite good enough. It was a constant chase, a constant battle. It didn't matter what had happened. It was like, it could have been better. It could have been faster. I could have been smaller. What would happen if I dot, dot, dot. And I look back, having closed the chapter. And I'm so proud. I did the best I could with what I had in that moment in time. And my body was what my body was. And I did a lot of work with a mental coach and, you know, I'm really proud of where my brain has gotten to. And so I have faith that my brain will catch up to my body and not the other way around. Mm -hmm. But to answer your question specifically, the most honest thing I can say is on the podium, I was like, the next one can be faster my pants can be baggier. Like in the moment, it was all about the next moment. And that's no way, you know, like, what's that sweet quote, we lose the moment when we're so focused on the future. And I love the future. But come on, today's all we got.
0: Yeah. So that's so interesting, because for the high achieving woman, there's always some sort of goal that is next in line. And it's really easy to consistently be looking to the future, saying, okay, I'll do that then and I'll work with there or work myself Mm -hmm. to get there, right? But forgetting to cherish that moment in time. So standing on that podium, like you have every visual in line of sight right there that's giving Mm -hmm. you every indication that I just won and yet Mm -hmm. it was easier to beat yourself up, to Mm. belittle yourself than it was to Mm. step into embracing that success. Mm. Did you find that once you left the podium and started training again for the next one, or even getting back into a regular workout routine, how was Mm -hmm. that transition going from the podium and then stepping back into everyday life?
1: You know, I had a really wonderful, special person in my life at that period of time who was relentless on celebrating the moments. It was like, this is a moment you don't know when it will ever happen again. I remember I qualified to run the Boston marathon. I was like, yeah, I can go another time. And they were like, If not now, you don't know. You don't know what it would be like. And sure enough, the next year was the pandemic. I would just say I'm so grateful that there are people around me that saw and stood for things when I couldn't see or stand for them myself. And I would love to think that it's just women, but I don't know if it's necessarily even gender specific where we're like Mm -hmm. always on to the next thing. And I'm even mindful of this now. You know, it's like you get married and then people are like, when are you having kids? You win one race. When are you doing the next race? You achieve one goal. So what's next? It's like, forget what's next for a minute. Like, right, what's right now? I'm grateful for community that stood for celebrating the moments that said, hold up, this is a moment. And then you transition because guess what? Like the sun sets and then there's a new day and your body recovers and you're like, okay, I guess I'm back into a routine. And, you know, one of my favorite triathletes she used to say we race on Sunday and by Tuesday your result is a fart in the wind and i think of that in business all the time you know you have a great monday you don't have a great monday by wednesday monday was a fart in the wind there's something to like hang on to the moment and then get over it the wind blows, like get on to getting on and it's a balance, you know, like what's the relentless pursuit? What's the commitment? How are we kind to ourselves on the journey? So now I just celebrate any possible time I can.
0: So something that you had said was that business aspect of it as well, right? Mm -hmm. So Monday comes and goes, have you ever found that your inner gremlin can be just as strong from when you're standing on that podium to business as well?
1: Yes. I mean, I was just having this conversation this morning that inner gremlin or self-sabotage that I don't proudly, but I truthfully very much possess is an inability to fully complete, uh, let's call it like a task list, because especially as an entrepreneur yet, I've realized this is like decades deep. So probably for the last two decades of work, my sense is if you complete everything, then what? like, are you useful? Like, then what do you do? And now let me back up. And in school, I was a really big nerd. And in school, I was obsessed with math specifically. And I remember in grade school getting a math textbook and I would sit down and answer every question in that math textbook in a week, cover to cover, give it to me. Yeah. The problem is that hasn't changed there is a really ridiculous relationship with productivity mm-hmm. and start to finish like this completion. And the problem is then I sabotage myself by not completing things. And that makes me feel like tomorrow there's going to be something that's essential to do. I share this story because we all have self-sabotaging aspects that we don't want to articulate. I don't want to share that with you. I don't want to tell you that I'm not actually fully productive all the time. And the reality is like, it's a deeply ingrained issue with me that comes from what does completion really feel like? in life? And are you okay to sit with that and be with that? And instead, if it's not done, then I get to carry that over my head and be like, you're not done, Steph. You're not done. You're not done. That is a gremlin that I still wrestle with. And it's something that I literally have as a goal that I'm going to change this relationship, renovate the relationship I have with productivity so that I don't self-sabotage and what would it be like to have space in the calendar and
0: not try to fill it? What would it be like to be open to a new way of working? So I love everything that you were just saying right now connects with me immensely. This is a conversation I have with so many of my clients because when you're a goal setter, whether it's a math textbook that you're getting through, starting a business plan, launching programs, whatever it may be, That definition of productivity has been skewed, especially in the North American culture and society hustling all the time, right? So productivity Mm -hmm. has to produce results of some sort. For that individual who is moving so fast all the time, it's redefining what productivity is. Because rest is just as productive, right? Because if you're not rested, if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not nourishing yourself, taking time to eat, then you're exhausted. So how can you be your best self at that point in time? So I love that this is a challenge that you're taking on for the month. And I'm curious, we may have to do a follow-up to, so then you can tell us how your definition of productivity is in a few months. But what would you say, not necessarily with an open schedule, what do you want your inner cheerleader to be saying to you to redefine productivity?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. My inner cheerleader. And it's a beautiful question because in my hedgehog, something that I am most passionate about and arguably would want to be best in the world at is being your cheerleader, Mm. which gives me pause to say, how am I my own cheerleader? And I'm going to answer this question with a plug to a nutritionist, and the trainer that I'm working with and her name is Britt Mon and she's phenomenal. And people come to her. I mean, she's shredded and hot and a mama of three babies. And you're like, how do you do it? And, I just say, you know, it's love and macros for that girl, love and macros. She knows how much protein she's putting in her body and it's so rooted in love. And she's like, no, you're going to be in this restoration phase for as long as you need to be. And then we can start doing all the other things. And of course, I'm like, I want to squat this and bench that (laughs) and I want to get so strong. And she's like, yeah, good luck, girl. And, you know, my inner cheerleader would say like, Have you had enough water today? My inner cheerleader will like celebrate that I am nourished. And part of releasing a little bit of this productivity is allowing space for an extra hour of sleep. It's allowing space to say, it's like rewiring the integrity with myself. It's like, will you do what you say you do every day? And just do that for one day. One day at a time and then do that again the next day. And that inner integrity is pretty monumental. So I see these as like small mountain peaks with a little integrity flag at the top. It's Like I'm climbing the mountain and I'm like getting the flag every day. And I really give kudos to Brit to help reprogram what you were saying, you know, sleep and fuel and how we move our bodies out of Mm -hmm. love. I mean, you hustle for work and you hustle for physicality. It's like to what end? And yeah
0: are we really doing the right thing? Something that you had just said where you complimented Brit so amazingly, like you were just cheering her up like you wouldn't believe. And it's so easy for us to compliment others, to praise others, to be other people's cheerleaders. And yet it can be Mm -hmm. one of the hardest things for us to do to ourselves. Why is it at times easier to belittle ourselves Mm. than it is to also be kind during challenging moments?
1: Well, I don't know that answer. And I wish I did. I would like to go out to the animal kingdom and say, how do they love themselves exactly as they are? And what was the point in time that we did start speaking not as kindly to ourselves? Part of me feels like, is this evolution? Is this we're hard on ourselves to try to get better to keep going? I don't know if that's actually keeping us going though. So I can't pretend to know that answer. I wish we would all speak more kindly to ourselves because I think we would be more kind to one another. And I can't help it. Like someone who's self-deprecating or hard on themselves, when they give other people compliments, I'm like, do they really mean it? If you can't Mm. talk to yourself with that much love, then how do you give away that much love? It's like your love tank is empty. Yeah. So I do
0: wonder how that works. That is so interesting to think of it. And if we use that visual, right, the tank. So if you just keep depleting yourself, how are you able to then pump someone else up, get them to their point of optimism or to a point where they feel like they can encounter challenges, then you're left with nothing too. Mm -hmm. If your gas tank is already low to begin with, you're then running on fumes for yourself. So Mm -hmm. part of you almost has to save a bit of that self-compassion for yourself too. So then you can build it back up and then keep on helping others and sharing compliments with others as well. What would you say is the difference with how you choose to speak to yourself now versus Mm -hmm. how you chose to speak to yourself even from a couple of years ago?
1: Gosh, well, a couple of years ago was at the beginning of the pandemic and who the heck knew what was happening there. (laughs) Um, But what I was hoping you were going to ask was how would you compare how you talk to yourself now versus how you talk to yourself as a child? Mm. Because I think a lot of who and how we are as adults is rooted in our childhood, let's call it joy and trauma. And I often have to ask myself, what would little Steffi want to hear right now? And what did little Steffi not hear? So my work of compassion for myself and for everyone else comes from what did or didn't I hear when I was a little girl. Mm. And in fairness, the things that I heard that were negative were probably few and very far between many other very wonderful things. And yet it's not lost on me that my brain very much remembers those things. I think that now we become adults and unfortunately our brains remember some not so wonderful things. And so I would say, you know, the work of the last two years or the work of the last two decades has been having a lot of compassion for our childlike selves. And, you know, as my friends have children and I, you know, we sit and look at these newborns with awe and pure magic. And I often ask, like, when was the moment that we started to become jerks? Because when they were born, they are the most special magical creatures ever. Two years ago, I got a puppy. His name's Bernie. He's my whole universe. And he's so naughty, and yet he's so wonderful. And I was like, I haven't changed how much I adore this little bundle. And so that's the long answer to say, I really pause and I think, how can we hold true the like magic and the awe that we see when things are fresh and new and not let us become so jaded and, and harsh and not kind. Mm
0: -hmm. What would you want to say to little stuff right now?
1: Keep going, kiddo. Keep going. I, I was such a fun kid. I had so much fun. I brought the fun. I was the fun. I was a happy, creative little soul. And I look back and think, you know, she always thought she was too chubby and she didn't like her widow's peak. Physicality was such an issue. And I'm like, oh, girl, if you only knew, it's not going to change. And you're going to keep doing fun things. So keep the fun, drop the story. Your
0: body's beautiful. Those words are so powerful. I hope you carry them into your productivity change. And if those are words, and to our listeners right now, take that moment. If that means you're Mm -hmm. pausing the episode or when you leave here today, you're taking that moment and asking yourselves, what do you, as your inner cheerleader right now, want to say mm-hmm. to your inner child? Something that you'd said really early on is that that inner gremlin doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. What would you say in regards to business? So being an entrepreneur, stepping mm-hmm. into challenges that happen at times, mm-hmm. how do you move through when that inner gremlin starts to follow you into your work?
1: I have no compartments and I'm not excellent at articulating any form of boundaries because my life is one big white fence. Like, Mm. come on in. If you're a friend, if it's work, like, come on in. I don't like boundaries. I'm not great for that. I respect other people who have them. They're not for me. So when you say, how does the inner come to work? And I'm like, well, if I'm the same person at work as I am on the podium, as I am on the trail the gremlin still is still there me, you know <laughs> yeah. on my shoulder all the time and my questions and and this comes from my days of triathlon but i just used to say are you proud are you doing your best and are you kind so that could be in the middle of a marathon it could be in the middle of work you know if i'm sending an email i pause and i'm like am i proud of this is this the best that i can do is this kind and if it's not, you don't hit send. And if you aren't in that right flow state, I need to stop what I'm doing and have an attitude adjustment. I call it a checkup from the neck up and reprogram what's going on. So the gremlin comes everywhere. I would love to say that the gremlin keeps me humble and hungry. The gremlin keeps me hungry. I up for the top of these little peaks I think we have an interesting relationship with hustle and I think as long as we're not hustling to look good and yet hustling on purpose, then
0: as I would say to little Steffi, keep going. Oh, I love that. Thank you so very much. Steph, what do you have coming up over the next couple of months that everyone can look out for? I would tell you that I wrote
1: a book Yeah, it's called The Now What? And it's for people who've lost their job, quit their job, or want a new job. It's something that I've, I made myself feel really small about. And the truth is it's really cool. It's a really cute book. Most thing I can tell you is I'm running my first three-day stage race in September and it scares the living daylights out of me. And so come September, I'm doing something I've never done before. And I think that's the whole purpose of why we're here. Keep doing things we haven't done before.
0: Oh, yeah. I love that. Pushing yourself consistently outside of your comfort zone, even if you don't know something, and even if you are scared, it's still okay to do. Totally. Steph, it has been an amazing time having you. Thank you for being vulnerable and creating this safe space so then other women can not just connect, but also resonate with your message as well and know that they aren't alone when the inner gremlin starts to come up. So thank you immensely.
1: Thank you for having me. And I love that you're producing honest conversations.
0: What an incredible way to start off this podcast. The raw emotion that Steph brought today was palpable. I hope. Wait, 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 wait. I know you related with what Steph was saying. You couldn't see me, but I was nodding along the entire time. So key takeaways from today. One, We can take that inner gremlin and know that it doesn't have to define us indefinitely. I appreciate this because throughout life, that voice may be louder and stronger some days, but we can recognize it's there and then choose to hear kinder words, just as Steph showed us today. Two, even with that voice, you can choose to love yourself exactly as you are. Oof, that's a hard one to process, but so important every episode will have a reflection question and this is yours for today. What is your definition of productivity and does it have to be redefined? When you have found your answer, send me a DM on Instagram or an email to info at drjessicametcalf.com. That's info at drjesskam-e-t-c-a-l-f-e.com. Thank you so much for joining us today and looking forward to our next guest, James Stoller, who will be chatting to us about the importance of decluttering not just your business, but your mental state as well. And when you hear your inner gremlin, ask yourself, did I say this to a loved one? And if your answer is no, then it's time for a reframe. Speak kindly. You're listening.